welcome. Yo, yo. So, of course, the uh, landscapers, a.k.a. the illegal Mexicans, on Tuesday are outside all fucking day long. They're usually done by now. And, like, right as I made the room, the guy just came back around by the window and freaked out the cat. So, I jinxed myself. The window is closed. Uh. Uh, we lost him. You just need to see what California does. Have your landscapers take 20 years to build everything. They do that here, too. But, oh. you know, we have we have different divisions. But anyway, we have a Justin. Uh, so it is open invite for Andrew. If he is around, wants to jump in, he can. Otherwise, uh, we are a go. And boys, uh, I'd like to welcome you to the 100th episode spectacular of the B-Team podcast. Yay, yay. What a, what Crazy a that's at 100. I know. And what better way to uh, squander our 100th episode than on the greatest writer of our times, according to the New York Times, uh, <laughs> Ms. Mariko Tamaki. Oh. I'm pretty sure so, this is the first thing I've, uh, I've read by her. Well, I was going to ask, you know, before we jump into it, let's say a little bit about who uh, Mariko is and where we know her from. Uh, I know she's written some other non-comic, even more than this stuff, a lot of YA stuff. Somehow found her way into the world of comics, kind of. Um, And what I, I love about her is unlike most of the big names in SJW Marvel, you know, with the advent of things like your boy Zach constantly showcasing them and actually giving them valid criticism, not just shitting on them and being like, you know, this is garbage, don't read it. He'll offer some constructive feedback. Over the years, a number of them have actually gotten better just by default. Not Mariko. <laughs> Uh, she's gotten worse. <laughs> she's gotten worse, and she has some staples. And I'm not going to say what they are because I want to see if Justin can pick up on them. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think I, I did a, a long, long write up on her during my uh, SGW Marvel write ups on the old defunct website. On uh, I remember those X23. Right? Yeah, and uh, she she has three major staples, and we're not including one of them being she doesn't know fuck all about any of the characters she writes. Yeah. <laughs> Although she yeah, look- accidentally, uh, I think she accidentally uh, stumbled upon an Elseworld version in this story, but I guess we can get to that later. So you're, you're very close to one of them. <laughs> what do you think, not knowing anything about her, just having read this, what jumps out at you as this seems like something very out of place that this woman probably does repeatedly? Um, something out of place does repeatedly is uh, probably watched an episode of Titans Go and that's how the comic book characters are and you know just made adult versions of them dude so that's I'm an gonna, insult to I'm Titans Go I'm gonna give you half on that one uh, she obviously has never read a single <laughs> comic with Starfire in it because uh, yeah, this no. reads in the voice of Teen Titans not even Teen Titans Teen Titans Go Starfire um, right, and, and I don't, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this since we're talking about. Um, did anybody else kind of get like a Melania Trump vibe from it? It seemed yes. like she kind of based based her off of Melania Trump because even with like I could see that, uh, like you go do the homework. Like it seems like it, like she's even like talking like Melania does. I know, I know, like Starfire tends to have like kind of an accent sometimes in like the cartoons and stuff but it's like i've never seen her really like in like comics like have like i don't know like a weird accent type of thing so it's it's more the uh the grammatical structure than an accent but yes you're absolutely right because not only did this one have that but she's got it exactly like melania um so now i'm just gonna give you the full answer because if you did read my explanation right up, hungry, what hungry Mariko Tamaki does is she'll watch something in the background 
and then it just becomes the whole fucking focus of whatever it is she's writing. So with X-23, it was this ridiculous story about the Cuckoo Sisters, and she was very, very clearly watching Four Weddings and a Funeral, and then just started writing that into the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Josh, uh, you're absolutely right. Does, I'm surprised you didn't notice this. How many superhero comics have you read prior to 2018 where they're just fucking eating nonstop? Yes. And like, okay, maybe Beast Boy would be doing it. You know, maybe uh, somebody would be snacking if that's a character trait. But you open your story with your ultra-thin supermodel eating what is supposed to be pizza. And then on every fucking page, Mandy is like chowing down on cookies or talking about how much she loves tacos and churro and you know, um, you can tell when Mariko is taking a snack break while while writing. Like she'll be, <laughs> she'll be like, you know, we went to the park and we touched hands and oh my god, they were selling hamburgers and they were just absolutely to die for that. She'll go and describe the hamburger for three pages. Yeah, this one. I mean, Mandy and Starfire's literally their first interaction is them eating together. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let, let's jump into it, and uh, holy Jesus, it's fit for a 100th episode spectacular. Uh, I am not John Macy, I am Josh Krubner, logged in as John Macy, for anyone who sees that. Uh, welcome to the B-Team Podcast, 100th episode spectacular. As we said, this is a review, I'm guessing rant, retrospective, analysis, interpretation, breakdown of what's sure to be everybody's favorite book of the year. I am not, underline and bold, Starfire, <laughs> uh, which is a really ridiculous number of pages. I got the, uh, let's say, legal digital copy, and I think it's something like 144, 146 pages. Uh, yeah, so I was surprised at how long it is. Long. And like I know, um, what was it? I, I want to say Gotham High. I don't think it was called Gotham High. But whatever that stupid Catwoman, Bruce Wayne, Jack Napier threesome OC crap was um, that was long as shit too and it wasn't good but at least things happened nothing yeah, fucking happens in this book at all yeah, it's, it's insane yeah I think it's uh, I think it's 163 pages if I'm not mistaken because honestly well, I heard that it is in uh, if you're in physical or you're in digital it's actually different but I'm, I'm sure we all read digital so yeah on comiXology yeah they do have um they at the end for like a Beast Boy and uh, Raven which kind of, know, kind of seemed weird, kind of seemed interesting I guess, I don't know Oh yeah, oh, yeah the, the preview yeah, thing for, for a different thing, yeah Yeah, yeah. It's like, a, it's like a Beast Boy, Raven it kind of looks like it's like probably going to be like a romance thing but it somehow involves Slade I don't understand why, but whatever so, yeah Yeah I mean, well, these YA things are you know, they, they're all going to be somewhat romance-oriented, I would guess. Yeah. Well, so I, mean, I was going to say, you know, obviously we aren't supposed to be the core audience for this, but, and I had a feeling I knew, but I wanted to look it up just to be sure. Mariko Tamaki is 10 years older than I am. I'm 35. Um, she's trying to write in the voice of 14-year-olds, and yeah. man, does it not work, but we'll get to that. Oh, my um, God. She is of the perfect age of someone who would have known the 80s Titans and who could write about them, but clearly she's never even heard of them. I didn't realize that she was that old. Yeah, um, yeah. Dude. It seems like something that my sister would read and she's like... Uh, uh, and enjoy? Brain. Yeah, I was going to say, my sister wouldn't read this. My sister would look at this and be like, nope. And, uh, you know, I actually sent it to my mom because she's an old old school Titans fan and she's a librarian and she's on the, uh, let's say, political persuasion of the Maricos of the world. And she was like, look, I can understand you have objections with it. She's like, but this is like what a lot of YA stuff is. And I'm like, no, I get that. I was like, but did you think it was good? And she's like, no, this is crap. <laughs> so yeah. Even she's saying that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, like, I guess based on like objectively, which I know people hate hearing the word objectively but yeah it's not very good even for ya standards i mean you know i used to read a lot of ya and you know obviously when i was that age i mean 
even for like a mm-hmm. YA thing. Um, yeah, is is this is not good. And then also um, another thing I want to point out while I'm thinking about it, her friend there with the uh, the things in his ear. Um, if, Lincoln. Uh, when, yeah, yeah, Lincoln. Yep. And um, when he uh, <laughs> when he was doing something like I guess devilish or whatever, they put like little red horns and like a red tail behind them. For some reason, well, I don't so know if you guys ever watched uh, Powerpuff Girls. But he reminded me of the the oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On, yeah. <laughs> well, so look, I, I'm far from a hypocrite, and I will say that while it's definitely not my art style, uh, the artist Yoshi, whatever the hell her name was, you know, for what they said, do this for this book. She did great. She nailed it. You know. Yeah. It, if oh, you're into like this kind of art, you'll like it. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if this is what you want for that story and going into it, you're expecting it to look basically like you said, like the Powerpuff Girls, you'll, you'll yeah. get it. Yeah, Justin, going off what you said, yeah, I was, you know, I'm the young guy here. I was, you know, yeah. in that right age when the Hunger Games craze, all that came out. And I mean, I don't think Hunger Games is good, but like, you can write YA stuff that is like objectively well written, good story structure, good characters. I've read it, but oh my God, this is like. Like, like Josh said, nothing happens. I would say the biggest problem with this isn't even necessarily the plot, but just thematically and character choices wise, this is so bad. This, like, this we'll get into it later, me. but the third act of this is just, it, it makes the whole book pointless and it's just beyond stupid. It really is. And, you know, I'm sure at the end when we get there, we can talk about how we would have even fixed it or had it changed. But, I mean, Jesus Christ. There was no, like you said, there's no plot, there's no character development, there's no nothing. You know, she writes Mandy as not only a self-insert, but the clear villain of the book until the obligatory one shows up. And, um, yeah, you know, like, basically the, the conflict resolution is just the passage of time. And if she just stayed put, the same thing would have happened. And then she, she does not learn because of it. She does not become a better yes. person. She, she just, goes from hating superheroes because she's not one right? to where, oh, I accept it now because I am one. It's such a shallow and vapid message this book sends. Like, she she only surrounds herself with people that hate superheroes strictly based on that character trait. Such a, like, hollow and vapid person Mandy is. And then at the end, she's like, oh, screw you guys. I'm a superhero now. I'm joining the cool kids club. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what I would call the anti-Mary Sue, and, and we can talk about Mary Sue's and, and with that, because you know, she's not the anti-Starfire. She's the anti-Mary Sue. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, the actual real real thing was it was Star Trek's fan fiction, and th- this chick basically just wrote herself into the cast of Star Trek, and she was a supporting character named Mary Sue, whatever her last name was, and like, everybody just loved her. She knew the answer to everything. She knew how to do everything, and the focus of the story that she was writing just became all about her. Um, Mandy is basically that's, the outcast that's really where it came story, from. and every yeah, that's really where it came from. Um, I forget what her last name is, but you you could look that up. She basically just wrote into whatever magazine and and did this elaborate Star Trek fan fiction. And I don't know why it like pissed people off, or I guess they they just made fun of it. I mean, it is pretty you know hackney, but most fan fiction, most fan writing is. Um, but then that became the basis for, you know, using the term Mary Sue and then Gary Sue for men. Um, Mandy is the anti of that, that she's an outcast in her own story, but she's still a self insert in this universe. So for me, it read like a number of things, most of which have been parody over the years. Um, this is a real, real deep cut. But if you ever read the uh, Sergio Argonas destroys the DC universe, he makes the villain the old 70s Johnny DC logo. And it's just that like this thing had always existed and nobody cared about it. And uh, because of that, he became the villain. There's another one where they do it with Snapper Carr. There's another one where they do it with Jimmy Olsen. Uh, and then the other thing it really reminded me of was Prez, because this is like a character who who lives in the universe and exists in the universe, but like nobody gives a shit, and everybody hates them, and they like they can't 
cope in the universe. And not only is she in the universe, not just a civilian, but she's Starfire's daughter, which just opens up a whole host of problems. You know, first of all, I, I knew immediately that Mariko Tamaki didn't know shit about Starfire because she made Mandy an Earthborn ginger. <laughs> the the book opens with her stupid voiceover and talking about how she was a little kid and she hated her mother. Or she looked up to her first, and then she hated her. Uh, she still has the orange hair. Presumably, she's supposed to have orange skin, but she doesn't. And she's dyeing her hair black right then and there for the first time. And then she breaks out the black lipstick. So for the rest of the book, when we see her just looking like the beast that she is, um, all those liver spots are supposed to be freckles. But it just comes off looking like a 45-year-old woman with, you know, liver spots and skin cancer. (laughs) I mean, they they went out of their way. And I I read an interview... And she was basically like, you know, I always knew I wanted to write a fat superhero. There weren't any. Okay, there's there's been tons that I can think of. But, like, she went out of her way to make her fat and as ugly as possible. Yeah, and, like, the most popular uh, fat superhero that I know of is that one Faith. That is, uh, um, what the hell is she? IDW. Well, she, she's uh, Valiant. Yeah, but, okay. Valiant. Even, even in Marvel and DC, there are very prominent you know, fat or just overweight or whatever superheroes, um, you know, they're, they've been around for decades. I mean, you know. Not a superhero, but Amanda Waller, you know. Well, you Pre-New know, yeah, 52 okay. used to be a bit chunky. Yeah. Yeah, I loved her. Yeah, I mean, I don't really, I never really consider superhero per se. I mean, she's a government agent, but yeah, I guess. Okay, I- Justin, Bouncing Boy, 1956. Oh, Game yeah. set match, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like literally a beach ball. That's his powers. Everybody loves him. <laughs> he's super happy and, and jovial. Um, you know, there's there's tons. We can go through that list. But anyway, um so then of course, you know, after people saw this and realized it wasn't a joke and stopped laughing, uh, most of us said, Well, you know, Starfire and Dick Grayson already have a Elseworlds daughter and Mari Grayson and Nightstar. Um, and of course, the, the chief complaint became, you know, there's no way that this thing would come from Dick Grayson's genes. Um, and I had yeah. a feeling that they were going to do Dick dirty, but man, and even even as a fan, I, I had to just set it aside and think of like, you know, what are people who really don't give a shit about Dick Grayson think? And anyone who has read this book had the same fucking conclusion that I did. Like, wow, did they fuck him over in this book? Well, I am quite glad that he was not heavily featured throughout this because he was saved. Let me tell you. And it, I mean, I, it is kind of like left ambiguous who her dad is. I mean, based on like this one panel, I kind of do assume it's Dick Grayson. But that, like, let's say it is him. Why is he not in her life? That's my exactly, big question. That's what I'm like, why, why is he literally in the background for like all of her birthdays and? You know, he's like a close family friend and, and she thinks that it's him, but like she has animosity towards him. And then they just have him like weirdly show off his ass because that's a meme. And uh, they're all like still Titans and they hang around, but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So anyway, back back to the beginning. The, the book, if it can be called that, opens with Mandy, uh, who does not have a persona, does not have a superhero name, which is a very driving force of the book is just that Mandy doesn't give a shit about anything except herself. Uh, and she's just a mouthpiece for Mariko Damaki, and that's it. Uh, Mandy is dyeing her hair and lamenting the fact that she's the daughter of a superhero. And instead of seeing, like, you know, Starfire as like this, you know, above all else, like, um, in the new 52 red hood and the outsiders, like they, they made her like detached from humanity. And she's just like a weird sex object and she hates everybody. And she's just like, you know, I'm, I'm cold and I'm distant. You get the sense that like, she really does care about her daughter and she hasn't like neglected her and she's given her this nice life. And she basically just gave up trying to reach her because her her daughter's a monster. (laughs) Yeah. And we even see throughout the book, like she still tries, you know, to reach out to her, but Mandy uh, just ain't having it. Yeah, it makes no sense. Starfire is one of those like emphatic and like emotional like DC characters. Uh, the other thing yeah. is, 
this obviously yeah. takes place in some sort of DC canon with a continuity to the point that there are not only Titans, but you would assume there's everybody else, uh, and there are Titans going back decades. So if everybody knows, you know, not necessarily their identities, but who the Titans are, why the hell is Mandy going to public school? Yeah, I was wondering, like, wouldn't they be worried, you know, someone, any of their enemies would, like, you know, be gunning for her, especially since she doesn't have powers? And, like, you, you get the flashbacks to, like, the, the kids, you know, quote-unquote, bullying her and basically trying to tell her as, like, a, a four-year-old or a first grader to, to jump off of a high slide or something. You know, you think that the first time something like that happened, they would have pulled her out of school. Yeah. They, they would have set up something like the, uh, you know, Xavier School for the Gifted for the DC kids. I mean... Or it's just Starfire clearly has shitloads of money, and they all did. So, you know, just put her in private school or homeschool. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And she's, and she's supposed to be in uh, Metropolis. They, yeah, they do yeah. mention that. Metropolis. But I'm like, why don't you. Didn't they already make um, that comic with uh, Damien? Isn't it like Gotham Academy or something? Why wouldn't you just have her go there or something? You know what I mean? So then at least you could include maybe like Damien. And- you're, you're assuming that Mariko you know, Tamaki. I was literally just about to say that would require Mariko Tamaki to do research, reading, yeah. planning. Just- oh, oh, hey, Sapphire. Oh, she has a sister? Oh, she used to live on a planet? Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh. Yeah. And then, and then honestly, honestly, just going back to. Um, uh, like the her not caring about Starfire and stuff like that. Like it seems like, like this Starfire, like Brent, uh, Brendan said, was like it looks like she's like really trying to like connect to her and talk to her. It seems like every time she tries to talk to her, she bends her daughter somehow. So she just kind of gives up. But it's like it's almost like I have a feeling. I don't know how do you say her name, Mariko Tamaki. Yeah. Um, I I have a feeling she's like putting her own stuff with her own parents into this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big, big time. <laughs> she always does. Um, it's, she's like really like um like against the whole like um tradition and like family traditions from their old world or whatever. Like it was a line I forget what it was, but I think it was something Lincoln said. Something you know, about, like, his parents or being Vietnamese or whatever, and she's like, oh, you know, I thought we hated that or something. Like, and it's almost like she didn't really care about, like, Starfire, like, where she's from and, and like, you know, the heritage that she had or whatever, which you would think, like, at least, like, first-generation immigrants that I know of, like, I mean, they're usually pretty good about it. And even, like, my you know, even like people in my family or whatever, like they care about like from the heritage of you know. So you you just stuff like you that, completely you know, completely hit the nail on the head right there, Justin. Yeah. Because what Starfire is and what she always was, she is an immigrant, and yeah. the reason that the Teen Titans Go one talks the way she does is not because she's a bimbo. It's because she doesn't know the language. She doesn't know you know things that would make sense to Earth custom. Uh, you know, and, and there, I know anybody who comes from a family like this, you know, sometimes they will get either embarrassed or or mad or short of patience with them. Usually when they're younger, if they have a parent who's, who's stubborn and who like will not speak English when they know it or they should know it. Um, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, if they're trying, you know, they're, they're very sympathetic to them. They're very understanding, and it just means so much to them that they are trying to assimilate. And obviously this one would be. This Starfire has been here for decades and she still doesn't seem to understand like how things work because that's how it was on the cartoon she watched when that Starfire was like 14 and had been here for like three weeks. Yeah. And it, it just makes Starfire come off as like this incompetent idiot and it looks like Mandy is, is just, you know, she can't be bothered trying to take care of and relate to her mother. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah. My question would be, we're talking about the opening and just how bad it was. At what point, you know, because 
Obviously, I'm sure we all thought this would be bad. At what specific moment did you realize, yeah, there's no way this is going to be good? The second they introduced Claire. Claire, okay. Mine was, I believe it's the fifth page. I'm looking at it right now. The dialogue is, okay, so the first time we see Starfire, she's wearing a bikini. And and Mandy is so mad at her that she is wearing a bikini. And I, she's and, and wearing as, a bikini. And she's, a, she's wearing a dress. Yeah. Mariko didn't know what a bikini was. <laughs> as Mandy is having this... <laughs> like rant monologue it's just so perfect she has a box of cookies in her hand and is yeah. putting a cookie in her mouth yeah. and i'm just like wow this just wow we are in for a treat with this you yeah. and it, it would be one thing if it was you know starfire launches into this whole i'm ashamed of you because you're you're not like fit enough to be my daughter you know tamaranians need to be like out in the sun and active all day but she doesn't do any of that. She just like indulges her and lets her do whatever the fuck she wants. And she's yeah. like, I make you macaroni and hot dogs because that's what Mariko was eating. <laughs> yeah, and you, you could have written it like maybe Mandy has like, you know, an inferiority complex of some kind, which Mariko kind of tries, but like the way she executes it is just oh, so bad. You know what? Yeah. Um, me, Mandy looked like to me. Um, have you guys ever watched uh, the regular NCIS with Mark Hammond? Yeah, um, you know that short lady that's like talking Abby, about it. What's her name? Abby, the the goth one. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, she's. I guess she's kind of a mix of the goth one, but no, the, the lady that's in charge is it that one or is it L.A. that she's in it? But it's that short lady, that short old lady, that is like oh, the, the one that lady. looks like the one who makes the capes in the Incredibles. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I know what you're talking like, about. Yeah. When I saw, I was like, oh my god, that's what. <laughs> That's like the character design for this like 17-year-old girl. <laughs> All right, I have to I have to send you something to the chat real quick because we're gonna talk about this at the end. And if you haven't seen it, holy shit. Hang on. Oh yeah, I totally forgot that she kinda it kinda looked like she took uh, expert um um uh, Edna too from the Incredibles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, uh when I was reading uh, pretty much, I think from like page two, I was like, "Yeah, this is definitely not something that I would have normally have read if Josh didn't." Basically, <laughs> well, I I I, like, I needed uh, someone to read it. I thought John was. I didn't know if we could get Brendan. Anyway, listen, I just sent this to the chat. I think Brendan has seen it, but if you guys haven't, just look it over because we we definitely have to talk about this at the end because the the memes that came out even before the comic did. I mean, this guy nailed it. Okay. Oh um, yeah, I remember you sent me this. That's yeah. how you, this is how I found out about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um so yeah, anyway, while you're while you're looking at that, um yeah, what, but, uh, what pissed me off like as soon as they got to Lincoln, I'm just like, um, all right, so I guess Lincoln is trans. I don't know, whatever. Wait, is he? I, <laughs> wait. I think so. I don't know. I thought he was gay. Oh, okay. I thought he was like Gay, that's what she was going for. I mean, I, I could honestly, I could see that as well. So, like, I don't know how to even describe this visually without saying something a that could come off as racial or be insensitive. Um, the way that the artist actually looks, and the artist is clearly a biological woman, as far as I know, um, looks exactly like Lincoln, basically. Okay. So uh, I, I just inferred that as, oh, maybe this is that self-insert. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I obviously, I think there's probably a quota or every time they're like, and we'll make this one trans and they all have a little party and Mariko eats another cookie, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Josh, you had mentioned, like, you, you knew it was bad when uh, I think Claire showed up. Um, that relationship in this, that's like one of the running themes of this book is so terribly written her so, and um claire uh the moment where mandy invites claire to her house i was thinking okay maybe claire's being nice to her because it's gonna be one of those things where oh she was just using her to get close to you know starfire and get you know clout on social media with her friends mm -hmm. but no you see she actually does like mandy but at the same time she takes a selfie with the teen titans and Mandy is so shallow and vapid that she cuts her off because of this. 
So I don't know if you guys saw, they're doing a new season of American Horror Story that's like an anthology. And the very first episode, um, it was a redo of Murder House from season one. And their plot point was basically Mandy and Claire. Do you remember? I'm talking to Sarah. Do you remember who the chick was in the Murder House anthologies? The actress? Yeah, the bad one. No. No, didn't you say she was somebody's daughter? Mm-mm. No, I think you're thinking about Fear Street. That's Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter. That wasn't the other one? It's not the same person. All right. Well, <laughs> anyway, th- this chick is, you know, she's, she's the, uh, oh, the new, new to school lesbian with two dads, and uh, she meets, like, the pretty blonde girl, and she seduces her, and, like, the blonde girl is all for it. Yeah, the bad girl. It's Cindy Crawford and uh, Randy Gerber's daughter. Okay, thank you. Uh, and, um, see, the, the the popular girl like seduces her, and then it turns out that it was all like a prank, and she makes out with her and puts it online, and then the girl goes nuts and just fucking kills her. I really thought that's what this was leading up to. Yeah, I, I thought so, because you see at one point Mandy's being, you think, followed, and I was like, oh, it's probably Claire's friends. They're going to like try to pull something, but no, <laughs> just nothing happens. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I thought thought it was black, uh, black fire. No, well, yeah, I mean, that's most likely what it was. It's never outright Uh, stated, but well, I thought that they were gonna do that, but then it's like if you know, Claire was just a plot device more than the way she was, but on the other side and under like the control of black fire, then there would have been like backlash from the gay community. But if you just, you know seduce a confused uh, straight 15 year old girl into a lesbian relationship with a beast it's fine <laughs> i mean there's, there's one panel where they're like sitting on the couch holding hands and, and mandy is just like holding her massive fucking bulging gut of cookies and she's like i have a girlfriend and i'm like oh my god yeah, um, seems, right, yeah, yeah. so the the relationship that comes to mind <laughs> from this one <laughs> If you've uh, ever seen Scooby Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, <laughs> Shaggy has a girlfriend for the whole movie that just shows up, and you think like, "Oh, she's going to be like a werewolf. She's one of the bad oh guys." Oh my god! She's literally just arm candy for Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, their relationship is so bad. Also, it gives me one of the probably funniest moments of this comic when she comes home from Claire's house. Starfire is on a date with um with some- Doug. D- yeah, Doug, you know, some douchebag. And <laughs> Mandy says, oh, mom, I had pizza. And then proceeds to walk right up to Starfire and eat half the plate of the food she has. And Starfire's like, I thought you said you had pizza. And Mandy's exact words are, I did, as she continues to just eat half the plate. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of that, you know. I'm. Uh, there, there's a lot of that, like, Gail Simone now type uh I think it's funny, kind of like gross out humor for 14 year olds. And it just sounds fat and pathetic <laughs> and old. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> whole, the whole rant on college, like, what the hell was that? Mandy, Mandy walked out on her SATs. Uh, we find out via flashback that maybe she was actually worried, or maybe the artist thought she should be because Mariko is, is insistent. Even in Manny's inner monologue, the college is for losers and she doesn't want to be in debt. I have never in my life met a kid in high school who would say, I don't want to go to college because I don't want to be in debt. (laughs) That's that's something that a 30, 40 year old after the fact says after wasting a major on something like basketry and dolphins. (laughs) Yeah, that scene where she like storms out of the uh, SAT is like so funny where she's (laughs) Uh, and um, yeah, I, I love how right after that, though, I believe it it's the scene where Mandy has to go to PE, and oh my god, where she's playing baseball. Do you guys remember that? That was so yeah. bad. Um, and then uh, speaking like Josh, you said thirty-five year olds writing dialogue for or forty-five year olds writing teenagers. You know, Mandy. The big thing is she doesn't like try during the baseball game, and this dude after says, "Look, it's myth." Miss Apathetic 2000. I'm just like, who talks like that in real life? Who would ever say that? Um, and it's Claire's friend, too. 
that's supposed to be Mandy's friend, but he hates her for some reason. It's it's almost like she took like uh, like it's almost like she took the approach of mixing clueless, mean girls, um, you know, maybe a little bit of like sixteen like just kind of took all of those kind of cliche things and kind of pushed them together into something from modern day and then just added in emojis and stuff that I guess Gen Zers like and I'm like I'm pretty sure like I, you know like I've never heard any like Gen Z people really talk like this like it just seemed very weird it's almost like she just like took a shot in the dark of like what kids nowadays sound like or whatever or they just absolutely well i mean like i said mandy sounded like a a villain because she was and then b a very masculine one at that like even if you're gonna do like the weird badass girl like don't make her sound like a cartoonish dr doom You know, like that whole playground scene where, where the girl's like, well, you know, are you going to college? Oh, or yeah. And she's like, you know, I'm an alien and, and we have these weird rituals and we eat babies or whatever she said. And it's like, what the hell is this? And, you know, if, if the world is set up so that someone like Starfire, who is clearly an alien, is basically Melania Trump and has millions and millions of fans, you know. How believable is it that this high school girl who's popular would be like outwardly racist towards aliens? Like, they, they mm. you know, no, no one is going to go up to Baron Trump, who is assumedly in the same school as him and, you know, likes his father and, and give him shit and try to like bully him. Like, you know, they would I'll, keep him I'll out of the school where he's, he's at risk of that. This wouldn't happen to Starfire's daughter. I don't think anybody would try to bully Baron uh, Trump right now anyway, because he's like, hit his growth spur and they just put a picture on him the other day. <laughs> well, you know, that happens. That would be one of the family. Um, yeah. But like what really pissed me off about this, it's like, you know, if Dick Grayson is your father, even if he's not, like, no superhero would raise their kid this way. And it, it, they, the stupid birthday flashbacks made it seem like, you know, Starfire never had a birthday for her and she just takes her outside to play with her once a year. And it's, it's so stupid. You know, even if you look at, like, Oliver Queen's future daughter and she's raised by just Felicity and maybe sometimes Diggle, like, from the moment she's six years old, she's in the front yard learning how to shoot and learning how to, like, roll and dodge and shit. And then by the time she's 15, she's basically Oliver Queen with tits, you know? Yeah, that, that scene is just so laughable. And the in, I love how the intended humor by Mariko is when... Mandy says, for my 16th birthday, I didn't let my mom decide it. And for some reason, I decided to go to Chuck E. Cheese with Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that, that I believe this comes right after. Kind of like, Josh, what you were saying with Starfire being incompetent. Mariko's very inconsistent with writing Starfire in this, in the fact that sometimes you can tell she's the, like, involved, you know, caring parent who wants their kid to succeed. But then at the same time, she somehow does not know that her daughter did not walk out of the SAT and they have the big confrontation scene where she just found out. I'm just like, how do you not know this? Like, assuming you're like her parent, like they would definitely call you like as that happened, especially since you're a superhero. Yeah. Um, Not only that. It's almost like, like the idea from like, say, the 80s where like, you know, like you see in some of those movies where like the kids do something and then the parents don't find out for like a day later. Like for example, like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the parents are clueless the entire time. Right. You know, like it's almost like she took that idea from it. But nowadays, are you kidding me? Um, you know, having younger siblings and um, you know having relatives who are teachers and stuff like that. Oh yeah, like, they get instant alerts. Oh yeah, you you would instantly know. Um, you know, they would contact the parents, they'd have group meetings, it would be like this whole thing, you know, like they, they what is the social construct of your family? Like, like they make a big giant thing out of everything now, you know what I mean? You know, if you pick your nose, you know what I mean? It becomes like this giant meeting, whether or not you're a bully, and whether or not picking your nose is racist or something. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, well, I think you're right, Justin. They went for the '80s aesthetic. Like, aside from the fact that the characters use smartphones, I would, I would believe that this was set in the '80s if you told me. Like, all the diners and stuff, they all got that like attempted '80s aesthetic. Starfire's house does. The school Mm kind of does with the way it's set up. Like, just an '80s vibe they're going for. Nostalgia. Yeah, uh, you you can pretty much pinpoint the moment where Mariko probably had an editor or somebody. Maybe the artist was like, "So maybe it's time to go on Wikipedia and find out some stuff about Starfire," because <laughs> like she changes on a dime, and that's when they bring in Blackfire. But in again, in a world that has established Titans continuity, how would Mandy not know who Blackfire is? Yeah. Like, the entire world would know who Blackfire is. Yeah, and they never even stay in the book. Like, they state, like, Starfire states, we, uh, you don't know who your dad is, but, like, it's never stated, like, once in this book, I believe. Like, Starfire's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I didn't tell you about Blackfire. Like, and uh, the scene where Blackfire shows up, Starfire is, like, so incompetent, and she doesn't even, like, try to defend herself or man. No, she, she just, just, gives she just up instantly and, like, gives I, up. I surrender, sister, and it's like, what? Well, they do um, like a quick background when they're locked in that box. Do they? Goes, because yeah. both Starfire yeah. and Blackfire uh, were Tamaranian sex slaves. And in this version, Mariko's like, you know, Blackfire ran the slave trade. <laughs> yeah, ba- basically the, like, um, like the page or so that they kind of, you know, gave a little family history. Yeah, I remember that. You know, my, she goes, yeah, Blackfire, you know, um, my father, she, you know, he wanted me to be queen or whatever, and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's basically a watered down. He didn't like it. The history. Yeah, and so then, yeah, basically, Blackfire came back and took over the planet, and and then forced me to be in a cage, and then and then I escaped the Earth, basically. Yeah, and what I love about that scene, Justin, is this all happens while they're in the box, right? But yeah. When they're first put in the box. Starfire doesn't tell Mandy any of this. Starfire literally just goes, "Okay, I'm gonna take a nap. Good night." Yeah, and then like she's like, "Go to sleep. We'll be there in like 48 hours." It reminds it reminded me of um, the episode of uh, Star Trek where um, uh, Picard and uh, Beverly have the things in their head. Um, Was attached. Um, Oh yeah, I think it's in season seven. Yeah, yeah, and they and they can like hear each other's thoughts. And when they're sleeping, they can like hear each other's like dreams or whatever. I was like, is this what they're doing here? Because I'm like, they just both went to sleep. And I'm like, now all of a sudden in like a dream state, we're learning, you know, we're teaching the kid about our family. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> I, I don't even, under, I still don't understand. Why did Blackfire even come after them? Like it, it seems to be established aware that, of Mandy or Mandy finally well, developed powers. I, I have well, no idea. Well, Blackfire's well, excuse Mandy, in story is like, oh, as long as you have an heir, yeah, I'm not safe. Yeah, but to me, that just I, I, I doesn't even make sense to me because from what we see, it seems like she has full control of Tamaran and like the survivors of it. Yeah, and well, the problem, if, the problem I think was that um, because Blackfire had developed her powers later. Like she probably assumed Mandy, even though she doesn't have powers, could eventually develop powers. So why didn't she terminate her and, and just get her when she was an infant? Why didn't Starfire and the Titans stop Blackfire years ago? Yeah. <laughs> and oh my god. Okay, so you know how the, the big finale is like Blackfire for no reason other than to get some laughs in brings her to the high school field? Yep. Yeah, yeah I mean, where this... did their space travel take them? <laughs> back, I don't know. I thought they five, were going mi- five miles back. west to the high school. <laughs> yeah. No, but oh my god, this was probably the hardest I laughed in the whole book. When Blackfire opens the box and we see Mandy in the battle uniform, <laughs> dude, I, I almost started crying laughing. That shit was so funny. That re- that that part reminds me of in uh, Malibu's Most Wanted. When they're when um, that fat chick has like all like the armor on, and then the other guy has the musket, and they're like ready to go like attack the gangs or whatever. And you guys, you guys remember that part of the movie? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me. I'm all of it. Yeah, and I, I don't get Starfire is like clearly like injured sort of when they get out of the box. 
Is it ever said like what happened to her? Does the box like take her power? Like no, I, I honestly I felt like know. I missed something. I still want to know where the box took them because the implication I, was she was taking them to Tamaran. Yeah, and they wake up at the high school football. Field. Yeah, and then I I think what the box is supposed to do I think we already established earlier in the story that she gets her power from the sun that she needs the sun to keep her strength up that being in the box is somehow dampening her powers but she beat her before she put her in the box or something huh she beat her before she put her in the box yeah i think i don't know i think it's because it was nighttime i don't know i i'm trying to figure out i was trying to figure out the logic of that's like, not how star all that works. Stuff. yeah well this is this is how it works um, the I love other us. thing we, we didn't talk about real quick is the the conflict for Mandy and Claire. Because again, I'll stress to uh, our listeners, this is 164 pages of, of fucking nothing. Um, <laughs> Mandy has a crush on this girl who's very straight and written to be just kind of confused and then just goes along with it. Um, Honestly, she's a high school girl who has... Yeah, but even media. that though, hold on, not even that though. It's like she's written to just be the popular girl in school, Mandy, I guess, has a crush on, but it's never, ever stated what her sexuality is. It's never, nothing ever is stated. It's just... No, 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 no. Mandy, Mandy says that she knows all about a world of dicks, which implies that she was or had been straight. Um, I, I picked up on that because uh, the same thing happened in that American Horror episode. But anyway... Uh, um, so Claire is written to be like, you know, a normal, popular 15-year-old girl. There's no way in hell yeah. she would ever have gone for Mandy without yeah. the others uh, pushing her. But she's obsessed with social media, like 15-year-old girls, you know. My mm-hmm. sister's 18. She was the same way now as she was when she was 15. So she goes to Mandy's house, and before Mandy gets there, the Titans are there. Yeah. And she takes a selfie with them. And, and then this Mandy's becomes mad. Like the end of the world, and it's like... Why would her taking a selfie with the Titans matter? Like, well, yeah, that's like what if, I was if, saying if earlier. Anybody went down the street and saw, like, you know, I mean, hell, we, we saw um, Patrick Wilson at the movies and we, we took pictures with him, we took video of him. Like, that's not a violation. That's just people do that when they see celebrities. Yes. And it's such an easy thing to fix. Like, if, if she had written it, like, you find out Claire was, you know, like I said earlier, just using Mandy the whole time to like yeah, she was a you know, groupie. become Sorry. a social climber. Like that would have made sense and Mandy's anger would have been justified. But, but, but then here they it's like have ended up together. That's so basically why. Mandy cannot accept people who have any differences of opinion than her. Which right. I mean, definitely a Mariko Tamaki self insert there. But well, yeah. <laughs> right now. But I mean but but actually let me just uh, point out something that I thought was kind of weird. Um when when we get to that whole like um uh claire invited herself to mandy's house thing she's waiting outside of the house like she hasn't gone in the house yet and so they go in the house together and they see that the titans are all there and at no point during that interaction do you ever see like the titans and her taking the selfie like and mandy is pretty much next to her the entire time that they're like around the Titans, and then all of a sudden, Beast Boy like knows her name, and all of a sudden she's like friends with all these people. It's like, when did the selfie take place, and how does she already become <laughs> friends with the Titans? Like, okay, yeah. So what's Man. happening here? And then all yeah. of a sudden she goes, "Oh my God, you took a selfie with the Titans!" And it's like you were with her the entire time. You didn't see her take the selfie. <laughs> yep. So then Mandy uh, inexplicably gets powers because she turned 17 and uh, somehow she's more powerful and more skilled than her mother and yeah. is able to subdue Blackfire and save the day and everybody loves her and I threw up. <laughs> yeah, I will say I did think for a minute in this that Blackfire actually fucking killed her when she throws the uh, the the axe at her because the way it is drawn, it looks like it goes straight through her head. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's what I thought. I was like, holy shit. I was like, okay, there might be hope left for this. This will be insane. I was like, what? I was like, they just killed the main character. And then yeah, I'm like, awesome. I'm and like, then what? <laughs> Blackfire what literally that? picks her up by the neck and chucks her. And I'm yep. thinking, oh shit, she doesn't have powers. Like, she's going to literally die. Mm-hmm. But no, she's, right. she's, she's fine and has her powers. She's got Black Widow syndrome. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, real quick, we'll wrap up. We'll talk about the, the meme comic I just sent you guys and how it's so much better than uh, anything in this book. Except for the fact that the police know who Dick Grayson is. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, you, you give us the rundown on that one. Oh, the comic? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, Starfire is there and their daughter, who is the uh, daughter I referenced as a uh, from the Elts world. It's from Kingdom Come. Uh, you know, they have uh, um, Dick and uh, Starfire have a daughter. And so they're like, oh, you know, she's in there and she won't talk to me, blah, blah, blah. And then they find out it's actually with some chick that's tied up. And then... Uh, well, the chick that's tied up is the real daughter and oh, is, it? is supposed to be Mandy. Yeah. Oh, our, <laughs> All right. Or well, Mari in this comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so then uh, he, like, stops Clayface, puts him in a jar, and then the cops are like, oh... Great job. Thanks for telling us the entire story. And then makes like a bat joke. And I'm like, so basically the cops know that Dick Grayson is. <laughs> I mean, that, that one comic was just so much better. And it's written in like the actual voices of the character. Yeah. I will yeah. say, who, whoever drew this comic hates Mariko Tamaki because, man, they draw the fake Clayface star. I mean, exactly like her. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So I would ask. It, how would you have changed this to make it like not a steaming pile of shit? Um, I mean, basically, because <laughs> I think the concept could work. You know, like Starfire has a daughter, can't connect oh, to yeah, her, yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to find her own way. I, I mean, you know, like we said, she she can't be that unhealthy looking. Um, she would have had not even superhero, just hero intervention. She would have been you know, training and, and learning how to fight. Maybe that pissed her off. And, you know, she's just your average looking kid. Um, well, she's in private school or she is homeschooled and she doesn't want to. So she like runs away to, to hang out with the public school kids. Um, she knows all about black fire and she doesn't take the threat of her returning or, or Trigon or Deathstroke or anybody returning seriously. Um, she has a love interest uh, someone she actually knows that's well within her, uh, you know, not out of her league in her weight class. Um, you could have Lincoln be exactly the same. That's fine. Maybe she has more of an actual relationship class. with the Titans and she likes some of them. She doesn't like some of the other ones. Uh, Blackfire, whoever else does show up. She tries to take them on without powers. She almost gets killed or she gets Starfire hurt in the process. And then, uh, you know, something a little bit less cliched is able to finally bring out her powers and she's able to, with help from Titans and other people, basically save the day. Um, to do it the way that Mariko did it, it's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. Then, Josh, I know you've, you're a Mariko Tamaki connoisseur. Oh, you yeah. Much of her work. Oh, Where yeah. would you rank this among her uh, various masterpieces? Uh, <laughs> it's hard because you know with a few touches like i just did this could be passable um i i think the the she hulk no x23 is the worst uh then she hulk then uh probably i guess this and then the supergirl is the most competent by default but it's not good yeah i i'd agree with that ranking except switch out i think she hulk is the worst personally and I, I, I did read her Supergirl, which is terrible. I'd probably put that below this one as well. Yeah. What was the what was the Supergirl comic she did? Supergirl being super. It's like in Elseworlds where she doesn't know anything about Supergirl yeah. and uh, uh, basically tries to write like, what if I was Supergirl? But she yeah. looks kind of like Supergirl. Yeah. And that, Justin, that, in, that, in the She-Hulk comic she wrote, I kid yeah. you not, one of the arcs is She-Hulk fights a YouTuber with a cooking show. Yes. Like, that is literally the arc. Um, I also, like, her She-Hulk, I truly believe is, like, top ten worst comic books I've ever read. Yeah. I hope like, they don't use that for the show. Like, this <laughs> thing looks like Watchmen compared to that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say, I do respect Mariko Tamaki's ability to continue to get work. She has, on paper, a great resume. X-23, Supergirl, She-Hulk, 
Detective Comics, oh, Wonder yeah, Woman, Huntress. Stuff. Like that is a uh, like it's one of those things of failing upwards. Like, that's, that's Dude, it's, it's so good through. because you'll read like her detective comics and it'll loosely sound like someone doing like a Batman parody. Like, you know, the episode of the animated series where they do all the uh, Elseworld stuff to the, the kids are telling stories about meeting Batman. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, the yeah, kids yeah. are narrating. Yep. So it's like that. And it's like little kid narrating like what could be a passable Batman adventure. And it's like, yeah. And then Batman jumped down and he saw a donut shop and he ran in and he got a glazed donut and then he came back out and there's Scarecrow and it's just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, I just like who who will possibly enjoy this? Because if you're into YA stuff, this isn't well written by that standard. If you're like us and you know you just like these DC characters, I cannot see how you possibly like this. Yeah, it's and it's you gonna just be- like good writing. Yeah, no. it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be people who one um are see themselves in the character, meaning that they look like the character, um, and it's gonna be people who don't really know anything about the characters, like they don't really know about Titans, they don't really know who Starfire is, but they just see the cover and they go, oh, hey, that kind like me and my parent or something and then you know it's, it's and even the um I, I think it's the cover on comiXology it has the girl who wrote uh uh that show there about the fat beauty pageant girl uh, dumpling or whatever with um jennifer aniston she did that show whatever like she talks about how great of a coming of age story this is it's going to be people who are <laughs> that kind of show uh, and like, yeah, that's gonna like. It's not gonna be comic book people. It's not gonna be even even like MCU movie fans. It's gonna be people <laughs> who see it and are oh, I see myself in that. And then oh yeah, I could totally see myself like hating my thin cool mom or whatever, and and like whatever. Like I don't know. It just it it seems like it's just like a very very small subsection of people. <laughs> I, I think like you're it. giving them way too much credit. The only people who are going to read this are people like us who are just uh, morbid curiosity <laughs> and wanting to be yeah. awful. If, if, dude, if you type this, like the title of this into Google, there are videos with like hundreds of thousands of views. None of them are positive. Yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah. none of them. I mean, I saw the trailer for this on DC's YouTube page had like like 95% downvoted. Yeah, they, they turned off comments and everything. Yeah. They actually made a trailer for this though? Yeah, yeah it, like, like with voiceover. Comedy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah on Comicsology, it has three, an average of three stars, and I think only twelve people have like rated it. <laughs> yeah, Mariko Tamaki's uh, friends and family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just got two, 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 two final things. I, I just looked on her uh, Wikipedia page. This is laughable. She says her two biggest influences are Will Eisner and Daniel Klaus. Which I've read both of their works. Uh, I will pay someone big money if they can find me any Will Eisner or Daniel Klaus in what we just read. <laughs> and um, the other thing is a quote unquote recommendation. She just wrote Huntress, a one shot with her. Huntress gets a big green goo on her and gets superpowers. So uh, everyone should read that. Nice. What? Well, if we're giving out awful recommendations, this might be a future podcast. We'll get Macy in on that one because I need his thoughts. I read the Amelia Clark vehicle, co-authored oh, by Mark Mother that was... of Madness, the period-powered superwoman. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm, I'm... I read the first issue. Yeah, that was horrendous. I'm gonna... Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna join you guys for that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read that one. I have not read it yet, but um, I know Mariko Tamaki is currently writing a, I believe, a Wonder Woman limited series. What's it called? I, it's called Black and Gold, I believe. Oh, I hope it's about Nubia. And but I, hey, oh, sorry. No, I'm just like I would assume that is of the same quality of her other stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, we um we hit the hour mark, and yeah. my my lovely bride just made me some early dinner. So we're gonna go eat, and the spirit of Mariko, we're we're gonna go uh, stuff our faces, <laughs> and then maybe eat pizza afterwards. 
Uh, oh, look at you. They're already getting the early, uh, the early specials there. No, right? It's, it's the good life. So you're gonna so. be you're gonna be in bed by Jeopardy. I I might be. No, I was in bed all day because I was up all night with this fucking cat. But so anyway, I want to thank you guys both for joining me. And uh, thanks this for having has me. Been our hundredth episode. I'm no sure problem. we'll do hundred more and at two hundred. We can uh, we can cover Mother of Madness. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm sure the whole series will be out by then. So all right, guys, have a good one. All right. Later. Peace.